In the interest of community service, Power 88 presents live talk shows to inform, enlighten, and to stimulate thought and dialogue. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of KCEP or the EOB. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Or call in and participate at 647-3688. Funding for Community Partners for Better Health on KCEP Power 88 is underwritten by the Southern Nevada Health District. And here is your host. Good morning, Las Vegas, and welcome to A Healthier Tomorrow. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and I am so excited for today's program. As I always remind you, tell everyone you know that A Healthier Tomorrow is on the air. Today we've got some amazing guests with some news you can use, some information that is definitely going to elevate your life. And I want to start off by just reminding you, you know, sometimes you got to stop and breathe. Sometimes you got to take a moment to just be present. And so wherever you are right now, just take a moment to recognize your breath and to feel it coming in and your body expanding and the release of it, because it's the breath that connects us all. And with that thought in mind, I'd like to introduce our first guest coming to us from the Southern Nevada Health District, a amazing community advocate, someone that's doing exceptional work, Nellie Palais. Good morning, Nellie. Good morning, Will. Thank you for that breathing exercise this absolutely, morning. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm I'm glad to have you on today because we want to talk about a very serious issue, which is secondhand smoke and uh, smoke-free housing. Before we dive into that topic, would you tell folks a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, so, as you mentioned, I am a health educator at the Southern Nevada Health District. I've been working there for about five years as a health educator. We, you know, at the health district, we work in the, I particularly work in the Office of Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion um, in the Tobacco Control and Prevention Program. And what, you know, one of the missions of the Tobacco Control um, and Prevention Program is to reduce secondhand smoke exposure among our um, community. So, you know, that's one of the initiatives that I particularly um, work in and I'm just you know I think there's a lot of work to get done here I'm very excited to be part of this initiative and talk about it this morning yeah it definitely is a lot of work to do uh, here especially in the Las Vegas area so what is the issue with secondhand smoke particularly in multi-unit housing so yeah, um, so um, as we know, Will, um, secondhand smoke is not just a bad odor, right? It is dangerous and it can have ser- uh, serious harmful effects on the health of any individual. Um, but even more impactful than that, I mean, we also have to think about the individuals with underlying chronic diseases, the elderly, and of course, kids and babies. Um, the issue in multi-unit housing is that secondhand smoke easily, easily drifts into apartments from neighboring units. I mean, this is a common problem and a challenge because of the shared ventilation and between the housing units. And, it, you know, we have to remember it can also travel through the outlets, light fixtures, hallways, balconies, and patio areas. I mean, just to give you a quick statistic here, more than one in three non-smokers who live in rental housing are exposed to secondhand smoke, and two out of every five children are exposed. Wow. I mean, that that's quite alarming. Two out of five kids 
I mean, that's that's yeah. two out of five too too many. <laughs> I don't know if I said that quite right, yes. but uh, it's it's way too many uh, for the exposure. So, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with this. What is the Smoke Free Housing Initiative? Um, yes, yeah, so the Smoke Free Housing Initiative actually rooted from uh, increased awareness of the dangers of secondhand smoke, and therefore um, there was a public need for housing that was free from the dangers of it, of secondhand smoke. And so alongside many partners, the health district has been working on this initiative for over 15 years now. Uh, this work to increase the number of smoke-free apartments communities in Clark County has been ongoing and um, today continues to be one of the missions that the health district has to help reduce, again, that secondhand smoke exposure in our community. So providing smoke-free apartments in our communities, um, we're hoping to, to help reduce secondhand smoke um, exposure by doing that. Awesome. So for the apartment managers and owners out there listening today, what can they do about secondhand smoke issues in their buildings? Yeah, um, so I'm glad you asked uh, because I know that, you know, we've been talking about secondhand smoke. It's, it's, a, it's, we know it's harmful, but there is good news. Um, and that, the good news is that secondhand smoke exposure, it can be prevented. Um, there are actions that can be taken by apartment managers and owners in the state of Nevada to prevent further secondhand smoke exposure. So one of the things they can do, for example, is implement what we call a voluntary smoke-free policy in their property. Uh, for example, the Nevada law allows apartment managers and owners to develop their own smoke-free policies. And this can be, for example, um, policies that prohibit the use of tobacco, e-cigarettes, and marijuana. And they can even establish what we call a minimum distance from which smoking cannot occur in the property. So really, there are many options when it comes to implementing a smoke-free policy and many things and resources available to managers who wish to move forward with this kind of initiative in their communities. Awesome. So what resources do you at the Southern Nevada Health District provide to apartment managers and owners who want to make that move and to make their property smoke-free? Yes. Um, so the Southern Nevada Health District has a smoke-free housing toolkit that apartment managers and owners can use to guide them through every step of the way when thinking about implementing a smoke policy in their community. Um, the toolkit offers, it, it just covers anything from like, for example, what kind of language to include in the policy, and it can also include what types of different enforcement strategies and methods to use. I mean, it is really a thorough guide um, in every step of the way through the implementation process of the policy. And aside from the toolkit, we also provide smoke-free signage and promotional marketing materials, such as leasing banners and outside banners that property managers can use to advertise their property once they decide that, that this is the step they want to take and they want to become smoke-free. Once they become smoke-free, we help them advertise that property through different methods. So, and you know, the best part about everything is that you know, this is all free. This is all free of charge to, to any community that decides to go through with this process. And that's important to note. Being free makes a big difference. And also, you know, there are a lot of folks that want to make a difference and to make these type of changes and improvements, but just don't know how. So having that comprehensive mm -hmm. toolkit, I think, is so important. And then you also provide direct support. So if someone needs your help, like you're happy to walk them through it, right? 
Absolutely, yes, of course. So if someone um, is in need of finding a smoke-free place to live and they don't know where to start, they don't know how to look, they can actually contact us and we can help them through that by um, providing them a link um, to our directory. So if somebody is looking for a a smoke-free place to live, they can themselves search through our smoke-free housing directory simply by visiting gethealthyclarkcounty.org. Um, in our directory, we have over 300 apartment communities that are part of our directory with over 60,000 smoke-free units available. We have um, properties from all over Southern Nevada listed. They range anywhere from affordable living to senior to luxury. So many, many options available in our smoke-free housing directory. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Got one more question before I let you go here, and you kind of led into oh. it with the last answer. But are there resources for people who want to quit smoking or vaping available? Of course. Well, yes. So if if you or someone you know wants help to quit smoking, um, there is the Nevada Tobacco Quit Line. The Nevada Tobacco Quit Line is a free phone-based service available to Nevada residents at uh, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. And, you know, they provide free resources, free um, nicotine replacement therapy uh, for qualified individuals, um, quit coaches that will guide you every step of the way. It's a great service that we definitely um, collaborate with the Nevada Tobacco Quit Lines. So, again, it's 1-800-QUIT-NOW, and that's the resource um, we would like to share with you. And that's also completely free, right? Absolutely, completely free. Excellent. Well, Nelly, thank you so much for joining us on A Healthier Tomorrow today. I really appreciate all the insights that you bring. And I just want to say thank you as well for working to make our community a healthier place to live. Your work is not going unnoticed and you are absolutely making a difference. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for allowing me to share this piece of information this morning. I appreciate it. Absolutely. The Healthier Tomorrow radio program is brought to you by the Office of Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion at the Southern Nevada Health District. Secondhand smoke knows no boundaries. If you are looking for a smoke-free place to call home, we can help. We have over 60,000 smoke-free apartments in Southern Nevada listed in our smoke-free housing directory. To search our directory, visit gethealthyclarkcounty.org and click on the smoke-free housing icon. With that, I'd like to introduce our next guest. We've actually got two amazing individuals here in the studio getting to know them this morning. They are delightful and so full of insight and wisdom. And they're going to talk with us a little bit about breastfeeding because August is National Breastfeeding Month. So they're going to share things like the benefits uh, for the, the child and the parent. They're going to tell us a little bit about their background. So if you haven't already, tell folks a healthier tomorrow is on the air and ask them to tune in right now. With that, Roxy, I'm going to start with you. If you don't mind, introduce yourself and your partner here today and we'll get into the topic. Sure. Hi, good morning. Um, my name is Roxy, and I am a nurse with the Nurse Family Partnership Program, and we uh, work for the Southern Nevada Health District, and I have here with me my coworker, Jen. She is also a nurse with the Nurse Family Partnership Program. Awesome. Well, good morning, and Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. Um, I am a nurse home visitor with the Nurse Family Partnership Program at the Southern Nevada Health District. I've been um, working there for about two years now, um, and our program provides um, resources, education, and support to f- 
uh, low-income first-time moms. Um, we Our goal is to help promote a healthy pregnancy, a healthy baby, and eventually um, get them to be economically self-sufficient. Awesome. Well, that sounds like some great work that you both are doing. So, again, before we get into the topic, I want to learn a little bit more. So, you're you're not wearing scrubs. You don't have a stethoscope or anything. So, tell, tell me a little bit about how you got into the nursing profession and what landed you here with working with uh, parents. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Uh, so... Before, my background is labor and delivery. That is how I started my nursing career. Um, my passion is maternal child health. And so this transition into the health department has been a fairly easy one for me. Um, we don't wear scrubs. We go into our home, the homes of our patients. We sometimes do wear scrubs, <laughs> though. Um, but, you know... I find value in providing this education and support. It's a different perspective um, of nursing, I feel like, um, and we can offer, you know, education, support, and we get a, a different view of patients who come into the hospital. We can, like, for me, um, I've kind of gotten a sense of why they, my patients didn't have the the appropriate access to care. I understand better why. Um, they didn't get prenatal care during their time in the hospital. And so I think it has given me a chance to understand just the different um, reasons why there's um, limited access to health care for, for our population. Wow, that's, I mean, amazing. And starting in labor and delivery, that's intense. That, <laughs> yes. that really, really is. And now, you know, doing the work that you're doing, it, it's great. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And, and Roxy, I didn't forget about you over there. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. Hi. So my background started as a medical assistant. I worked in several, several clinics um, as a medical assistant. I did OB, I did pediatrics, and I did uh, um, internal health, internal medicine as well. And um, that just kind of laid the foundation for my nursing career, um, but I've been a nurse for approximately 12 years now, and Nurse Family Partnership Program, um, how Jen was saying, is like um, before working in clinics or in the hospital, you get to see the patient, but in Nurse Family Partnership, you get to see like the whole dynamics for family dynamics, their home, um, and really what's going on, and we can, we're able to uh, provide them with support and you know any community resources that they may need. Awesome. So, I mean, this is the reason I do that is I, I want people to know that you're, you're not just, you know, medical professionals <laughs> behind a microphone, right? You're, you're people that have passion and experience in this, this area. So what you're sharing is, is not just uh, beneficial health wise. It's from the heart and there's care and, and concern and love behind it. So, all right, let's talk about the benefits of breastfeeding. Okay, so there are many benefits of breastfeeding. Um, I would say the main ones are, um, I mean, it's free. It's easy to access, um, and it provides it's the it provides the best uh, nutrients for a newborn child up until however long you decide to con continue breastfeeding. Um, but I'll do the the newborn um well, or before the, you go to the newborn you said up until however long what's the the average age well the or? recommendation is at least um exclusively breastfeeding for at least six months before the introduction of solid but if they can continue to breastfeed to a year or longer that is even better okay good thank you 
Um, but some benefits for their babies is that it decreases their risks of infections, um, it decreases the risk of asthma, ear infections, um, SIDS, diabetes, um, and stuff like that. Roxy, do you want to do the mom? Sure. <clears throat> so not only breastfeeding benefits baby, but it benefits mom as well. Um, it reduces risks of postpartum depression with mom. Um, it helps mom to bond with her baby. And also um, it can help um, lower um, ovarian cancer later on in life as really? well. So there are many health benefits for mom as well. And it also can help um, mom to um, lose weight faster while yeah. she's breastfeeding too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that I always say. <laughs> yeah. Wow, cool. So with this, sometimes it can be uncomfortable for, for new parents and, and adjusting maybe if they have to go to work or, you know, just family life, right? When do I find time to, to pump? Or can you talk a little bit about um, some some of the best uh, ways to ensure that they're able to continue breastfeeding once they're back at work or uh, throughout that first year in particular? Um, I think education has a lot to do with it, and that's something that we provide in our program, kind of just preparing them for that, um, some of the challenges that they may encounter. Uh, we highly encourage skin-to-skin um, -skin, um, and initial breastfeeding within that first hour of life that, that promotes their um, success to breastfeed. Um, maybe just talking to your employers about um, what their options are. And really, it's it's there's pumps available there's wireless pumps now that you can do while you're working um i've had i've worked with a lot of colleagues who um you know because our break times were limited they were pumping while we're on on the job and it's it's very um inconspicuous at that point um so there's many ways that they can can uh try to work that out with their their employers um yeah, I think um, each case is different, you know, depending on where um, mom is working and, you know, what um, what they have available there at the workplace. And also there are laws that do uh, help mom who, who do need to pump and keep it keep. Um, she has a place, a safe place to pump at work and to keep her store, her breast milk stored. And that's what I was going to ask about the laws, um, because I remember being in 2001, I was working at um, a huge bank and they had a breast pump um, room or just a maternity room. They didn't know what to call it at the time, but mm -hmm. they did allow um, women that had just come back from um, maternity leave to go there. Um, and I thought it was very innovative for that time. Because yeah. this is 2001, this is not 2023. So I know that laws have come about um, since then. Do you know what those laws are in particular? Um, Jen, do you know any in particular? Or, I mean, I know there are out there. And you, if so, like I said, it, each family, you know, is base by base. And if, they, if mom does have a concern and that is an issue at one of our visits, you know, we do the research and provide them with that information follow, and follow up with them. Okay, so they can get in touch with you all at the Southern Nevada Health District to find out um, if their employer is not allowing them to pump. Yes. You can possibly help them with that. That's perfect, as long yes. as they have a resource, right? Yes, because in that, and especially like in the very beginning in the postpartum period, you know, we're trying to see them weekly for the first six weeks. And then after that, our visits continue um, twice a month until the baby turns two years old. 
So we do uh, establish that rapport with our patient. And, you know, if they are having issues after they go back to work, they address it with us and then we provide them with the information. That's amazing. Um, I do have another question. I'm the, I'm the host that likes to shake things up. I like to ask the questions that a lot of people are thinking but don't ask. So stigma. What is the stigma around breastfeeding in public? You know, I think that used to be a big deal a long time ago, but I think it's becoming more accepted to be able to breastfeed in public um, in this time and age, I feel. What do you think? Um, I, I, I agree with Jen, but I also believe it has to do a lot with culture, yes. family and culture. But, you know, there are um, covers where you can be a little bit more modest, especially if you aren't in public, because, of course, we want you to feed your baby, you know. Absolutely. I just wanted to bring that up because there there are stigma around a lot of public health issues and breastfeeding is definitely in public health. And we want to make sure the mothers and babies are good and they're well and healthy. But there's a lot of people who don't care about those type of things. And so we've heard throughout the news over the last, I would say, five years, even things that have come up with people saying things about women breastfeeding in the parks and things of that nature. So I just wanted to know, like, how are you all seeing it since you work in this area? And if you say that the stigma is down, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, I pres- I personally think it's a beautiful thing to see that occurring. Um, I do, too. Yeah, so. I do, too. It's I, it's It just reminds you that we're human. Yes. And we have needs. And yes. a baby is is a part of her mother or but their mother right yes whoever they may be <laughs> um and just shows that the family connection i think and it takes a lot of dedication to breastfeed so when i see that i am more part to these moms because a lot of people don't know that i mean it's we talk about how natural and how how um easy it is to breastfeed but really behind the scenes it's not it's it takes a lot of work and effort on the mom's part um and so when you see that see someone breastfeeding in public you know that they are they are successful. they're dedicated they are dedicated it is as a team mom um the doctor came into the room the nurse came into the room and said you know would you like to breastfeed first of all i'm 15 i don't even know what's happening (laughs) and i did not understand um that's what cultures do and the benefits, right? Mm-hmm. What you all are talking about now. Of course, now being older, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have done that. Um, but I was scared. They you showed, needed our program. I did. I did need your program back then. <laughs> they brought in this pump, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so I'm just really happy that you all are sharing this information because a lot of people, need, we need to normalize this. Yes. We yes. need to normalize talking yes. about it. We need to normalize seeing it in public um, so that we can get the nutrients that our babies and our mothers need yes. and so that those mothers i always hear mothers say it helped me lose weight so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we need to get that out there yeah we, we come into the homes and we provide that education before baby's born so we can try to get mom um, introduced to the idea of breastfeeding and like any questions or concerns that she may have you know before baby before baby's here absolutely so as the non-parent in the room, <laughs> I, I do want to know what, prov- what support you provide for families or or for the partner that um, maybe is not the one doing the breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Like what support and education do you provide to make sure everybody's in the loop? Great question, Will. So we just kind of provide support for mom, encouragement as well, you know, encouragement. Like like I was saying, our program, um, we try to get into the home um, every week for the first six weeks. So we address any issues that mom is having with breastfeeding. You know, if it's painful, which we do hear sometimes, she, possibly she's doing it wrong. 
Um, so we want to correct her and get her to latch baby correctly. It, breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. You may have some discomfort initially, like for a couple of seconds, but after that, it shouldn't be painful. And then we just want to um, remind her, you know, to get rest, drink plenty of water and have that family support. You know, if dad is there or if other uh, family members are there just to offer that support because it's crucial in the very beginning. And to Will's point, what does support look like from the person that's not breastfeeding? We encourage the dads to participate in our um, home visits, but also just preparing them for what it looks like in the delivery room. Um, skin to skin, they can provide that as well. That promotes the bonding um, experience to, to dads. And then I like to let them know, you know, mom's going to be tired. There's going to be times where um, maybe you can do the diaper change and then she'll she'll put the baby to breast overnight um, and, and take turns, recognize when she's um at her wits and 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 you know take the baby from her um but those are all ways that that they can provide support i think initially they'll start to feel like well i can't really do anything because i don't have anything to give the baby you know and then they start to feel a little bit distant but just encouraging them to just um you know support the mom in any way they can i think that that helps a lot i think those are really great tips because i think like will is saying as a non-parent sometimes you you see a mother with a baby but you don't know how you could mm-hmm. be of assistance or how you can step in and help um so i thank think you anytime that. you ask a woman what can i help you with she's like, going to tell you we'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> well we are coming to the end of our program i want to thank you both for being here but before we close out if you would each just share a quick story of your favorite moment as part of this program. And Jen, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, I think my favorite moments are when we, when our patients reach out to us at their most vulnerable point times and we are able to help them get out of that dark hole and they call and say, thank you. I think that is just, um, I know I'm doing what, I know I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing for my community when I get that. Um, sign of gratitude. That's beautiful. Roxy? So I would like to say pretty much the same thing is just hearing that thank you from our clients, you know, coming into them, offering them some support and, you know, just to see the baby, just to see our client, actually. Like sometimes our clients um, in the very beginning, they're in school, seeing them graduate, seeing them have their baby, seeing their baby turn two years old, just seeing those milestones throughout, you know, and letting them welcome us in to see those milestones. Awesome. Well, thank you both for the incredible work that you're doing and for sharing this vast information with our audience. How do folks get in touch to take advantage of the program? Um, well, um, they can contact the Southern Nevada Health District. Um, our team lead is Teresa, and her phone number is 702 7 590779 and uh, ask to speak with Teresa and she will give you all the information that you need for the Nurse Family Partnership Program. Perfect. The Healthier Tomorrow Program is sponsored by the Office of Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion at the Southern Nevada Health District. August is National Breastfeeding Month and Black Breastfeeding Week starts on August 25th. Please join us and our partners Breastfeeding with Maj and Heart and Soul Collective to celebrate Black Breastfeeding Week at the annual Human Milk Donor Drive on Saturday, August 26th from 10 to 1 at the West.
West Las Vegas WIC Urban League office located at 6480 West Flamingo Road, Suite B. To learn more about this event or other available resources, please visit our website at www.gethealthyclarkcounty. We've got about one minute left, and I want to make sure that we get in some community announcements. So, Elisa, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, there's always things going on in the community. Um, I would like to shout out Janice Wiggins, who has just started a grant academy. Um, she is one of my yay. She is one of my savvy women. Um, just a community partner in the in the community, um, and she helps nonprofits. Um, set up grants, um, look for grants. She has um, on her website, she has testimonials of all the different grants that she has helped. As we know in public health, we are funded by grants. So it's very important to have those people who are knowledgeable and experts um, in grant writing. So Janice Wiggins, this is your shout out um, for your new grant academy. And I hope that it's a success. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Elisa. And this has been the A Healthier Tomorrow program. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and I've got my fabulous co-host, Alisa Howard. Howard. As I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And what you do matters. So live compassionately. We'll see you again next month. Thank you.